What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. I had on the program 120 kg lifter Isaac Whistler. And just a disclaimer before you start listening, this interview is going to get loud at certain points because Isaac Whistler is electric. And he always brings the energy, so if you're in a car and you have a kid in the car or something, or you're just driving early in the morning and it that volume booms up, just be prepared for that because it's going to happen. Because Isaac, he he's an energetic dude, man, and we of course had to talk about him declaring war, who's in danger, who should be worried, where is it going to take place, what date it's going to be, what dates, plural, is it going to be. Talked about that. We also discussed uh, just where he finds that energy and why you see that in his Instagram videos. A lot of you who are listening to this interview probably have seen Isaac Whistler's training videos on his Instagram page, and you know that you know it's 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 an intense intense video uh, a lot of the time. So he talks about that a really interesting conversation with that. Just the mindset that he brings himself into when he's training. Uh, we talked about just different training philosophies, approaching training, his training, his relationship with Joey Flex, uh, how we got into lifting, and we played a word association. And within that word association, we got into a little friendly debate about uh, USAPL and uh, publicity and other federations. So it was a really fun uh, little debate there, and I, I I enjoyed it. I know you guys are going to enjoy it, but before we get into that, got to talk to you guys about Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leflarbros.com. Visit their Instagram page as well. Shoot them a follow because they are extremely important to the powerlifting world because they make products for the powerlifter. They are the powerlifter's clothing brand, in my opinion. All their designs are some sort of symbol that relates to strength sports in some type of way, and they continuously make dope designs that I love and I will continuously rock in the gym. And also, they got two white lights merchandise they got the original logo and the fight night tee on exclusively on at leftlarbros.com you can't get it anywhere else you can only get it on leftlarbros.com and you can get all that discounted price if you use that promo code 2WL15 remember 2WL10 is a thing of the past we are trying to make you save more money in 2021 2WL15 make sure you are using that promo code and Get yourself some Rivalist gear and also be sure to visit them on their Instagram page because that's when they do the little drops of the designs. And again, I cannot express to you how much I love the designs. I don't wear anything that I don't love. And I love all the designs that Left Fly Bro uh, creates. So remember, 2WL15 for that promo code. Also, Rivalist.net. Go there. Get yourself some informed choice supplements. That green check mark is important for you, tested lifters. Use promo code Angelo15. Get yourself some informed choice supplements so you don't bust a drug test. You're going to take pre workout. You want to make sure that pre workout is clean, good to go, so you don't end up taking some weird, tainted pre workout that'll get you banned from the USAPL. Informed choice, that's important. Use promo code Angelo15 for that. Also, visit lift.net and get yourself some stoic gear. I only wear stoic gear on the platform and in training. It is hands down the best gear I've ever used, best training equipment I've ever used throughout my whole powerlifting journey. And they are releasing some great color drops right now. They got the black label, they got the original, they got the white label, and they also have the olive drab 
get all of that for a discounted price. If you use promo code Angelo10, you will get 10% off of your Stoic gear. Also, make sure you follow Notorious Lift on Instagram and sign up for that newsletter. It's going all that information is on their Instagram page because Notorious Lift slippers, I love them. I use them. They're the first slippers I use after I transition from th- squat shoes to flats and I bought their pairs and really haven't looked back. Only really use those, only use them on the platform. No slip drip is a real thing. And again, the designs, the colors, the drops are fantastic. They constantly come out with hits and they have some sort of color scheme that is going to make you look great on the platform and great in the gym. It'll match your gym attire, it'll match your platform attire. It'll match everything because they drop so many different designs. But you have to get on their drops. So that's why that newsletter is important because it's not like you can go to Notorious Lift and just buy whatever you want. you got to wait for those drops. So be sure to look out for those drops so you can get some no-slip-drip slippers. Also, make sure you are following us on Spotify. Make sure you are subscribing on iTunes. Give a five-star rating. Leave a review. Make sure to download the episode. That's going to be important for us at Two White Lights. And without further ado, here it is, Two White Lights. I got with me via Zoom, 120kg lifter, the young, Isaac Whistler. How are you, man? I'm doing good. I don't know. I don't know if I would call myself young anymore. I'm 21, so I'm basically washed up and old, but I appreciate the compliment. Fuck you, dude. I am about to turn 28. <laughs> never, never say that no. to me. Take away 10 years. You're only 18. You look great. Your hair, you could pass for like a 14-year-old Justin Bieber. <laughs> I actually take this as a compliment. Thank you. It is. Uh, but yeah, I think I have a mentality of a 23-year-old. But even in your definition, 23 is like old as fuck. If you're saying 21. Dude, you just got legally allowed to no. drink alcohol. No, no, listen. Other people, 23, young, right? But in my, like, I'm like 40 right now, okay? In my, in my eyes. I'm, I'm washed up. Yeah, you don't have a fucking energy of a 40-year-old, I can tell you that right now. Um, uh, that's but, all artificial. Hey, <laughs> right, watch what you say, man. If it's all artificial, you might get a drug test tomorrow. Who knows? This is a U- okay. pro USAPL. monster. No, monster at 110%. <laughs> Please, don't Good. hurt me. Good, good. Yeah, 100, 110% approved, and so is Monster. But, you know, this is a pro USAPL IPF podcast, so, you you know, you never know who's listening to Two White Lights and who's going to knock on your door the next day. Um, just, just don't ask about how much original Jack 3D I have, because I'm not going to answer. <laughs> yeah, you, well, after the podcast, you can tell me where you can find that, because I haven't been able to find original Jack 3D. I think it's technically methamphetamine at this point. I uh, listen. Methamphetamine, tomato. I think that's the same. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> it's a it's a fine line. It's a fine line between pre workout and methamphetamine. So I mean, you find the healthy balance, and you're good. 
The healthy balance is rivalous. That's gonna be the plug for rivalous today. Rivalous.net. Get promo promo use promo code Angelo15 and get the perfect balance between methamphetamine and pre-workout. That's the perfect balance is rivalous. Put it on a shirt! <laughs> that's that's your marketing for that one today. Use promo code Angelo15, get 15% off your informed choice supplement. Again, the perfect balance has that green check mark. That's Let's go. APL approved. The green check mark always does it for you, man. But important questions first. Have you declared war? Uh, yeah, war is declared. Uh, junior nationals is war. That is the that is war date. Uh, April eleventh is the day that we're going into battle. So, mm-hmm. so who's who's in danger if you're declaring war? Like, who should be on the lookout? Like, you have the declaration of war set. Who yes. should be worried that the declaration of war has been set? Listen, I'm, I'm going to say right now, a 20kg Ohio power bar is going to look like a Texas power bar, okay? It's the bar, baby. The bar is scared. It's crying. The calibrated tears are falling from the bar, okay? The bar should be scared. The judges should be scared because I'm going to get all of the white lights. It's gonna. I'm going to completely change the name of your podcast to Four White Lights. Okay, the kilos should be scared because they're getting thrown through the roof. Okay, the, dude, you're, you're the throwing kilos be... through the roof, dude. You're I'm all right. You're throwing them you're the playing the wrong sport if you do that. I'm telling you, that's <laughs> fucking Olympic lifting you're trying to do, man. Just just don't declare too, war too hard because you might just you might get disqualified just based on going too hard. Can you even call it Olympic lifting anymore? It's not. In, it's not going to be in the Olympics. Very good point. Yeah, it's just weightlifting at this point. But exactly. you know what? I'm excited to hear that because, you know, at first I was thinking I was in danger because you declared war. Like, you declared war. So I'm like, I'm a power lifter. I'm in danger right now. If Isaac Whistler is declaring war, that means as a power lifter, I got to be worried. I got to be worried about this. But right now, for now, it seems like Louis, the, the city of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, is should be in fear because a declaration of war is happening in their city. Now, you're not declaring war on Baton Rouge. I don't think you're just going to be, you know, you know, punching civilians in the face while they eat their crawfish <laughs> and their gumbo. Maybe, maybe but, but you might. After. But you might. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't throw it off the table. You might do that. But it sounds like, it seems like the whole competition, which is junior collegiate nationals, is is the the main the main focus, the the main enemy, if you will. And myself, myself as well. It's that those two. All right, well, well, I'm excited to hear that. So that is your next planned meet is going to be uh, collegiate and junior nationals, correct? Correct. And then after that, uh, open nationals. Really, like, ideally this, we don't go RPE 10 this meet. Again, Mm -hmm. who knows what could happen. If I feel great, I might throw something on the bar. Um, But this is more or less, um, I was going to do a meet in March uh, at Warcat Strength Gym. And that's my sponsorship. I love those guys out there. I was super excited to go out and meet them, but Cali is Cali. So I was afraid that the meet was going to get shut down. So when junior nationals got announced um, that it was two weeks after the meet that I was planning to do, I said, well, heck with that. We'll go to junior nationals, rack up like hopefully at least a junior podium. Um, Like I'm I'm not going to say that how I'm going to do. Cause you never know. Uh, but 
go ahead and uh, hopefully do okay there. But really what it is, is like at open nationals, you're going to have to wake up in the morning. You're going to be at like a place you never, you've never known. Like it's going to be the same environment. And it's only, I think like nine weeks away from like, or eight weeks away from each other. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to still be in that fresh, like national level mindset. So I think it'll like really help. Okay. Well, so if you are, you know, not even planning to go RP 10 in a meet that you're declaring war on, I think, yeah. I think Daytona beach can hey, be more in fear because then it sounds like it sounds like double war, which sounds worse than well, single war. That's for damn sure. Hey world. All I'm saying is the, the world, this world has already had two war, two world wars we could have four world wars by the end of this year, okay? Actually, five, depending on how the actual world goes. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, we might be in the midst of World War Three right now, but exactly. or at least, or at least, like, or at least, Civil War Two, the second Civil War. But yes, yes. I mean, I mean, you could count, I guess, uh, raw nationals and collegiate junior nationals as world wars as well. I'll count it because I'm I'm very Euros or ethnocentric. I just think that a world revolves around America. So yeah, we're okay. pretty much the entire world at this point. But well, actually, it, you know what? How would you actually? Now that I, I like am talking about it, how would you call it? Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge. Is that how you actually? I don't fuck. It? I have no idea. I know it's I French. Think, you know what? I so here's the thing. I did work with a guy from Louisiana, and he made fun of how I said Baton Rouge, and I so think I it's it Baton, Baton Rouge. Rouge. I, I don't know. Well, I don't know why he made fun of me, though. I forgot Baton. why. I thought it was Baton Rouge is how I've always heard it said. Yeah, I think I just threw a French fucking accent okay, into it. Just because. Hey, because I'm it's, like, I'm, you know what? I'm going to one-up and go, Baton Rouge. <laughs> Baton Rouge. And just really <laughs> fucking right. French it up. But uh, just... you could call it a warm up. Is mm-hmm. what this meat is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, a war, a warm up, which it's still war. It's it is still a war. war. And you know Daytona Beach, which I would be attending. So I want. I kind of want to be in the midst of a war. You're gonna be in the yellow zone. You could. I mean, you're you're competing with like with the four four year old children um, because you're. You're a uh, you're team two, right? I'm pint size. <laughs> pint size. You're what team two? Yeah, we could, well, some people would refer me as team two. Other people would refer to me as master. You're part of FCAT, so you would know the type of people who would call me master lifters, which is fucking <laughs> every dickhead on that FCAT. So, um, I mean, former FCAT and current FCAT, but yeah, like some people would refer to me as master one. Other people who. Uh, who might get confused at the Instagram handle? I might be teen two to some people, which you know, whatever helps me. You know, it's only fourteen. Yeah, 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 man. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely fourteen years old. So, like, any way I can get a gold medal at Raw Nationals, I'm just gonna use it. Masters one, teen two, fuck it. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm. I'm pretty sure I'm the best, right? Eighty three kg at teen two, and Masters one. So let's do it. Let's just. Oh, run I with hope it. So. Yeah, am I gonna be the first ever Team Two Masters so. One national champion of all time? I think I gotta go for it. <laughs> Both of them. You don't even go open. You just go Team Two and Masters One. Yeah, and I <laughs> I already declared to my friend. I'm, I said your USAPL membership for the year would cost hundred and eighty dollars or something crazy. Yeah, I would just I would take all the divisions so I could walk away with so many medals. 
And they're like, what did you do? It's like, well, I didn't place in the, the, the open, but I got fucking Team 2 and Masters 1. So, um, yeah, take, take that. Let's see Russ or he do that, huh? Let's see him take Team 2 and fucking Masters 1. Only only me, only Fortino Power can do that. Three-time Open National Champion? Yeah, Fortino is a one-time Team 2 and Masters 1 champion. <laughs> yeah so i'm you know what i mean you just fired me up for raw nationals so like that's that's a hefty goal but so for you for raw nationals and it sounds like i mean i'm at kind of the same boat as you right now um as i I am competing in march but i don't have to do that heavy travel that you would have to do california is iffy and i know you're in pennsylvania so that's that's a big travel for you so you know a lot of people i know are, are canceling those types of meets and, you know, focusing more on really raw nationals because you can do that. You can put all your focus in raw nationals because you're using, they're using 2019 through now qualifying totals. So most people are good in that sense, but the meet that I'm doing is in March. It's in Michigan, only two hour drive, you know, so we're good there and really not exactly going rp10 in this meet the goal is just to put in a better total keep myself fresh almost like a heavy sbd day like where we're hitting rp9 through 10 on something and you know seeing how everything moves and then really the focus is getting right on uh programming like the that monday so we can get our you know so we can get to raw nationals and really put in the performance there so with you what, what what's going to be your goal in the 120 weight class, like what is what is um, Isaac Whistler's the plan meet for that? I know like planning numbers out can be dangerous at times, but I know you and Flex probably going to go through like what do what are we looking to hit um, on on uh, March 14th through 19th or June? It's in June, my bad. 14 through 19. So are we talking, are we talking open nationals or junior nationals? Open, open. Because, open. you know, like you said, it's a tune-up meet. So like, you know, I've, I've attended like, so, you know, Jamal Browner just had a tune-up meet and you could see, you know, the hype yeah. isn't exactly there. Like there's yeah. numbers you're going to hit, but it's all towards a grand scheme and looks like this grand scheme is your raw nationals. Yeah. I, so to start off, not like, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I am not in the mindset of tune-up meet. Um, just because if it, I, if I am in the mindset in my mind, I am losing a percentage of training that I could be going harder because in these 11 weeks that I'm going to be training for this quote unquote, if you called it a tune up meet, I wouldn't be going nearly as hard as if I just called this a meet. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm just full on taking this as a meet and just not planning on hitting like all time max is just going super heavy. If I like have to take an RPE, like eight squat third, like that's totally fine. Another thing too, is I have uh, a couple weeks ago tweaked my adductor groin area. Um, so I've kind of been building that back up. It's definitely not a hundred percent, but I, um, I would say it's getting at least 10% better each week. So we're making really good strides on that. So to kind of go in and expect an all-time PR squat would be unrealistic in my mind. But for open nationals, the plan for me, like what I hope to do, uh, is honestly, if I can put up my best performance where I think that like I was happy with my numbers and podium, those two are those two things are all I want, really. Um, that's really it. 
right. All right. That's 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 fair. Yeah, I, I guess I could agree with you on that one. You know, if you go into a mindset of a tune-up meet, it could you know, it could hurt some. But at the same time, you know, if you're hitting a single like an SPD day, that's going hard. You know what I mean? Like if I told you like, oh, all right, we got the template. We're going RP nine or nine and a half. With squat, bench, and deadlifts, like okay, this is a fucking intense ass day. Like that's 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 uh that's really pushing it. And whenever I see like an RP over eight on my program, I'm like all right, we're fucking, you know, we're we're pushing ourselves close to failure, maybe to failure based on how that you know RP supposed to be RP eight through nine moves, um, because it could easily be a nine and a half through ten if you're really going based on that scale. But all right, I've never actually had an SPD day though, so. <clears throat> the only SPD days I've ever had are meets. So this is, this will be a good way to just kind of get one of those under the belt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What makes, I mean, I, I've known a lot of 100, like 120 kg lifters aren't really like super frequent with the SPD days. They kind of harness it because you move heavier weights than say an 83 kilo lifter like me, by the way, I like how I, I need more like, like heavier weight lifters to come on the show. Like, like 105 kg and above, because I make fun of the smaller weight classes so much, and it's like it's good to actually get the other side of it, like because yeah. I always I mean I'm only I'm actually the size of some 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 seventy four kg lifters, and I love just still ripping on how small they are when they're like, dude, we walk around probably heavier than you. You're a, a night weight of uh, eighty kg, Angelo. Dude. Yeah, crew eighty three kg, man. Just fucking love love. Lo- yeah, 80 kg me just loves ripping on people who are just 78 kilos. Because <laughs> you know they cut four kilos for their fucking meat, so. You're six four, so you look down on them, so. Oh, yeah. Dude, I mean, whatever, I mean, you know, whatever my weight is, like, it makes up for the, how tall I am. It's fucking. Yeah, yeah. One of the tallest powerlifters in the game right now, so. So, cool. I've heard that you, like, picked up that frog stance like off the rip because you physically couldn't reach the bar because you were too tall. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. Holy shit. Pretty much. I mean, I never, I never actually publicly talked about that, but no. I mean, unreleased info <laughs> to white lights. You heard it here first. And, and the, <laughs> Jesus, Steve Denovi told me, he's like, you should probably get some headphones going when you interview Isaac. Um, and yeah, he's sure. right. I can see that now, but we're good oh, on that. What's After that? your intro song, we should have put like, uh, yeah, yeah, disclaimer, like, all right, you guys got to like, probably, <laughs> if you have like small children in the car, there's going to be moments of this fucking podcast where it's just going to get really loud for no reason. So get ready for that. We're going to, we're going to throw that disclaimer in there, but their kids are going to end up going to like school and they're going to be like, there's going to be a war in that room. <laughs> Yeah, it's trouble. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. They, I mean, if you're in the Baton Rouge area, like I'm still saying to be on warning because there there hasn't been a war in Louisiana since the Civil War. Like there hasn't been a war there, and fucking same thing with Florida too. You know, it's like so it's dangerous down there. But I gotta ask you this: how, where, where does the energy come from? Because speaking with you, I you're not, we've spoken before. Very energetic dude. And in your training videos, you're super energetic. So explain, you know, like, where are you just a naturally super energetic dude? Or is this like something that you have to kind of create for yourself? So funny. Uh, two answers. One, 
it's completely the opposite. And two, it is completely right. <laughs> so I am actually super shy. Um, when I've like had like a, a, not the greatest childhood and I was pretty sheltered as a kid. Uh, and I learned how to deal thing, deal with things like by myself. I was very independent. So I've, I like my free time, but uh, around people that I'm comfortable, I can be pretty outspoken. And that's just honestly to like uh, overshadow the like shyness and like nervousness that I get. Um, so not only is it that, but then like when I go for a big squat or a big deadlift, like screaming and yelling and carrying on like a buffoon, like it's no act at all. I, mm-hmm. I literally, there, there has been times where I've thought about like screaming and I feel like a doofus and I can't do it. So like it, if I like am screaming in a video, it's because I'm ner- usually it's either I'm nervous or I'm happy. So I'm just kind of outspoken and screaming, but I physically like can't force myself to scream because like, I know how cringe it is. And like, I hate being a bothersome to people. So like really like, it's like, it's weird to say, but like before I go for a top single or like a top set, I actually go around to everybody in the gym. They're already like looking at me. Like, I'm not saying that like a, like a self-conceited way, but that most of them are already looking at me. Uh, we live in like a small town, so uh, they don't see this very often. And so I'll go around and tell everybody, Hey, I'm about to scream and yell for this top set. Like, I'm sorry. Just like be ready for it. They're like, Oh yeah, man, let's go. You're strong. And I'm like, thanks guys. And then I like slowly put my headphones in and I'm like, walk away and then like scream and yell at the bar. But for the most part, uh, I've, I've never forced myself to be like that. And when I'm not like, when I can't be outspoken, I'm usually the completely off, like complete opposite. So I'm super like shy, not talking, like, because I just observe my surroundings. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when I get comfortable is when I kind of reach out and like to get over that fear, basically. All right. Yeah. I mean, going through it though, when when you start putting your Instagram videos out there with, you know, that's how powerlifting kind of gets its news information is from Instagram. And that's how it spotlights lifters is from Instagram. When you've done it, has there been like some backlash with like the amount of energy you bring, um, you know, with the screaming? Because it it makes sense when you describe it, you know what I mean. But then, what, initially, when people see that Instagram video, they don't get the the, the explanations from it. So, yeah. Well, what was your what's your experience been with that? So actually, it's been pretty positive. I will say that I don't know if it's because I lift like. Usually if somebody's screaming and stuff like that, it's like cringe stuff. Not like I, I think I'm cringe too, but like it's like more cringe than me. And it's like smaller people lifting with like bad form and stuff like that. But like I don't force anything, one. And two is like it's genuine, so it looks genuine. So for the most part, I think people understand that it's literally like I don't mean to sound cringy, but like it's passion. So like mm-hmm. I think I think people can tell that, which is super cool because like I try to portray that like just be yourself and screaming is myself. Like, like, I'm sorry. Cause like, it's, it's not something that's like super accepted, but it's what I do. So I would say it's honestly like 95% positive. There's only been like 5% like backlash of obviously the people that like the private profiles with mm-hmm. like the, the 10 megapixel flexing pictures that say, you're screaming and it's cringe, like shut up. (laughs) But like, I obviously understand and accept that not everybody's going to like 
think that that's cool. I even look at my like some of my videos and I'm like, why would I even post this? I'm literally screaming like a dumb dumb. But like, it's fun to watch too. Like, it's fun to make fun of myself, so I do it. So yeah, when initially, so I mean, I'm gonna be like full disclosure here. When I first got sent one of your videos, um, it was in a group chat, and I thought it was gonna be like one of those videos, like, yo, check out this guy. You know what yeah. I mean? Like he's losing his shit after squatting. But then I'm like, all right, so I'm looking at it. But they were actually sending it like, this is some fu- it's impressive weight. Like, that's the only reason why things are sent for the most yeah. part. Like, I mean, I guess people do that to tear down others. But in this sense, they were sending it because, like, dude, this kid's like 19. He's fucking squatting over seven. Like, it's it's pretty insane. And then the reaction of it, too, when you start that screaming, like, it, it adds to it. But... I, I do agree with you. I could tell that it was, it was actual passion. Like, when I saw it, I was looking like, this is genuine. You could tell the people who really need to do it just because they want to create the facade that they're some tough guy. Um, and that's that's primarily not seen in the USAPL. It's primarily seen in, you know, the uh, the good old boy federations, the USPAs and your and your APFs. Like, yeah, that, that's and the multiply lifting. That's where you get it. But with your case, I'm looking at him like, holy shit, like, it just seems like he's bringing something out of him. And you know what? I will say this. I've always considered myself, like, a stoic lifter. Like, I don't really do. But, I mean, actually, the one time, which uh, the internet missed this. Except your belt throws. Yeah, except my belt. Sometimes, like, it's an angry belt throw. Sometimes, like, a little soft little. (laughs) Just throw the belts a little bit. But, seriously, this happened once. It was, um. My most recent prep up to Midwest Primetime, and people on the internet wouldn't see it because uh, I'll tell you in a second. But it fu- natu- it happened natural. It was like something you were describing, where you're not trying to do it. It just happened, and I seem like a fucking insane person at the gym when it happened, uh, especially because no one's like ever seen me do it. Like no one is. It was 750 pound deadlift. Um, I was feeling really good that day. We were shooting for an RP nine, and I like this. We did 738, you know, the previous set. So I'm like, you know what? We're going to do like, let's do seven, let's do 750. Um, Cause I thought that moved a little bit light. Let's move it. You know, let's, let's take it up a notch. Let's bring it heavier. And I did it and I fucking locked it out. It felt so good. I held on to it and I don't even know what I said. I said like there, I said, there you go, motherfucker or something <laughs> like some curse word, like thrown in there. And I slammed the weight on the floor and I fucking lost my shit. I grabbed my phone and I wasn't recording. <laughs> I wasn't recording. So the gym saw me freak out. My friend Charlie Binkley came up to me. He's like, your happiness is me being really upset. Wait, that was your heaviest pool going in. Right? Yeah. I remember that. Well, you, I remember you. I remember you posted it and you're like, I don't have video footage of my heaviest pull going into my knee. So it didn't happen. Yeah. I'm like, no. Yeah. So like that was, you know, it was tying my PR too. So it was like the, my PR 750 and I did that. And I was just so happy because like, or I was just, I was just pumped. Like I was just feeling it. And the way it moved was really nice. Like it wasn't like super, super heavy. Like I killed myself. I was still able to do my back down sets, but like the internet didn't get to see me losing my shit and say, and that's usually not the thing, but it sometimes gets actually. bought out of you. Like, That's it does different. sometimes get bought out of you because, like, for whatever reason, it could be, you know, it, it could just be something that you were 
aiming for and you finally hit or something you were scared to hit because i was I, like i'm like what if i drop this shit like that'll be stupid to do two weeks before my meet like if i drop 750 and like fucking really overshoot like that'll be really bad like that'll really fry my cns or fry myself and that's not what you really want to do your last two weeks up to training but you know i hit it felt good um and i held on to it for a long time because i remember russ or posted a video of him hitting 750 and missing it on grip. And I'm like, eh, I fucking oh. held on to it for two seconds. Like I, like you're not, I can hold on to this weight and I just wasn't recording. So all that emotion, I'm like, now it's just not, it's just all my videos, just me being like, no, yeah. whatever. Pretty boring. I think shit. I know what actually happened. I think the video was actually recording, but you held it at the top. And then Russell or he came out of nowhere <laughs> and took you into the fucking wrestling ring and search. And you lost in your bitch. <laughs> that, can, you that was, you know what? If if anyone wants to challenge me to a WWE style wrestling match in powerlifting, I am positive just based on my knowledge of wrestling, I would win. Purely, purely based on me having the information to know what it is like to succeed in the WWE because no one else has that knowledge. I have, listen, this is, this is to the viewers. I will just let you know, actually, this is to all the power lifters out there. I have seen Angelo wrestle at his family reunion. And listen, (laughs) the skill is unmatched. Do not challenge this man. (laughs) Dude, I am, I'm a beast in choreographed fights. I'll tell that right now. I'm a beast in choreographed fights when I know exactly what the opponent is going to do. And we both have a mutual agreement that I'm going to stop them. <laughs> and a mutual agreement when they're going to hit me back. Dude, I'm like undefeated. Even though I lost that match technically, if you guys saw the result. Um, the referee was blinded. I got hit with a belt. You know, it was... I thought I was a better man that day, but uh, El Mystico uh, was able to... Uh, was able to beat me, but I think you know Fourth of July rematch is coming. Um, possibly, Ooh, really? yeah. Oh yeah, of course, man. I gotta get my. I mean, I I gotta get my rematch. I was hit with the belt when the ref wasn't looking. What the fuck? He might defend his title. He's gonna defend it. Oh yeah, you're not a true champion so you can defend it. Everyone knows that shit. But yeah, true. That was a, that was an interesting uh, <laughs> tangent. But <laughs> I, but uh, I all right. So that's. That's there, and I think that does help your, you know, the, 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 the image you create. Because then I start looking at your, because that's how I followed you, right? That's how I started to get to know you is through those videos. I'm like, you know what? This guy is um, one extremely talented lifter, and you could tell that it's going to last a while in the sport when you have that much passion and you have that much skill. Because the skill is undeniable. Um, it, it's going to last long, and he's going to do the right things that get him to a high position in the sport and consistently get him in to the, you know, top threes or top fives, uh, and whatever, you know, junior collegiate open, it's going to continuously happen. But I, then I start following you and like, I see your stories and, and all that stuff. And I see, and I get to know you a little bit more. I'm like, Oh, okay. So it's, if a judgment is ever passed, it's like quote unquote cringe. You guys look at the story, it's like, the dude is just having a good fucking time. You know what I mean? He's having a blast with what he's doing. He's enjoying literally everything. You're enjoying your, you know, your little pre-workout ritual. And other people, and other people really catch on to it, too. Like, they really get on to it. So, it's like, 
I get it really does help when you kind of put yourself out there and show who you are. Like I think a lot of people are a lot of people try to create a Instagram persona that mimics I, Isaac Whistler. You know what I mean? That mimics that person. And then they're like, now nah, I'm just really trying for the clout or I'm trying for the views when it's it's like they're being phonies to be something that you've already have figured out. Yeah. I mean, like there's been, pe- I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to claim to be the first person to scream while they're lifting. Like that's, that'd be absolutely ridiculous. You, you might like, be the first to start shotgunning, you know, like monsters and, uh, and, hey, and I, Gatorade, take that. I, I, I might, I might be able, I mean, maybe not monsters. I've seen people shotgun monsters, but just like chugging Gatorades before every single training session. Mm-hmm. That's, I don't know who else has done that. Give me a name. But, uh, like, I'm not going to be the person to be like, oh yeah, like I'm the first person ever to scream. Like I'm just myself. And I think that that's huge for people out there is like, if you enjoy screaming and it's, you're passionate about it and you like, you understand one, another thing is like somebody, when you see somebody screaming, you think they don't really know what they're doing. Like they're not taking it seriously. They're only doing it to scream. I take a lot of pride in being as proficient as I can in all the lifts. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm not going to scream and freak out and then rip my deadlift and cat back it. Like I'm going to, I'm going to go into it with technical proficiency. Mm -hmm. So that's something that like, I would say is not very common. Like if you see people like screaming and yelling, they usually don't have the best form. So it's kind of like a, it's like ironic that I can like yell and carry on, but then go and execute the lift to a high technical standard, especially at like meets people are like, why are you screaming like that? You're wasting energy, this and that. But like, it helps me. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's, that's kind of what makes me like a little bit different, but again, like be yourself, like, um, like stuff like that. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I've have said that before, like a, um, I've seen at times it be an energy waster for a lot of people or it's just something to psych themselves up. But really, I see you scream more after the lift. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, that's where I see, I think the, uh, the, the more of the, the actual energy come out is after lifts, which is good. But sometimes like releasing that energy is good for some people. Like I'm the opposite with that. Like I, I always tell people like, I got to harness everything in. Just, I mean, because if if, it, if I do that, like, I get to harness my energy for that lift. But I think a, a lot of people have their mindset that their way is the perfect way. And they heard someone say that – they heard someone say once that if you show that much energy, you're wasting it. And really, when you're coming – when you come to these, like, little nuanced things about, like, pre-lift rituals – it's 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 a preference towards the lifter like there's not one size fits all especially on something that's not scientifically proven like that's like like a program thing like a program etiquette it's no it's something that's specific to that lifter in a mental set because i mean i've I've seen a lot of lifters do that and a lot of lifters said like i have to scream before i lift because i like the energy the amount of energy that i have it actually just needs to be released because like you know, if I have that energy, I might fuck up. Like I would, I would do worse if I didn't scream. So like when people tell me that it's an energy waster and like, it's not good. Like you, you could have lifted more. Like I literally laugh like in my head because 
I know that if I didn't yell, I wouldn't be confident under the bar. And a lot of the times, confidence is all you need to lift it. Like, because mm-hmm. we know we have the strength. It's what? One extra pound? It's not like what, like in some instances, yeah, you put in half of one pound more on a bar, like you li- physically could not have lifted it. But a lot of the time it's mental. And like, it helps me a lot. I will say <laughs> my first repo in Stunt King of Lifts was obviously me screaming and being a, a crazy man, but uh, a like notable lifter, not like not USAPL lifter, but a yo- notable USPA lifter commented. He was basically like, you just wasted so much energy. You literally could have squatted 800 pounds if you didn't scream. And I, in my mind, I'm like, you look like an idiot right now. Like that was a like 30 pound all time PR. Like I went like RPE 10, like, you saying that if I quit screaming, I could have lifted a hundred pounds more. Like, and it didn't, it wasn't like a joking, like you could have lifted a thousand pounds. It was like, he literally like said, like you could have had an 800 pound squat. And I was like, what are you thinking? Yeah. I mean, even to say that it's like I, saying I could have an 800 pound squat or like in my, in my terms, like an 800 pound deadlift on a given day. If I just, Whoa, 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 that's way more close. You can have an 800 No, 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 pounds. but, like, on a given day, though. You know what I mean? Like, and randomly it, saying, like, dude, I wasn't trying to even hit 800 pounds today. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, that wasn't the goal, man. I had my coach be really mad at me if I did that shit. Even just the audacity <laughs> of saying, like, that is fucking ridiculous. But, um, yeah, I don't know. That's, like, that's a strange way of going about. Imagine that, though. Like, throw like throwback to, like, what we were just talking about. Imagine... I can just picture it now. Angelo Fortino. I get my post notifications. Turn post notifications on for Angelo Fortino. Small mm-hmm. plug. I get my post notification that Angelo Fortino posted. I click on it. 800-pound deadlift. Wasn't programmed. First comment. Joe TSA. You are not my athlete anymore. <laughs> he fucking drops you. <laughs> he just He's so mad that you pulled 800. He drops you as, a, as an athlete. I mean, I would. I would, and that's how that's how <laughs> anal I am about things, man. I would drop an athlete immediately if they go off the program that hard. It's oh, like, man. dude, it's like kind of save this for a platform, you know what I mean? Like, if we just go and hit eight hundred somewhere, you can win a national championship. Who knows? But, that's a fifty pound PR, though. I, I couldn't be mad at an athlete hitting a fifty pound all time PR. <laughs> yeah, true, true. It's so it's so unrealistic for me to do that. The sense of the weight. But, like, to exactly. me, ever go it's, over, like, a certain thing, like, to my coach, it'd be, like, it's not even it, – it, it's, like, just as unbelievable saying, like, all right, I programmed a specific number for you today, and then if I go, like, 10 pounds over or 15 pounds over, that's just as weird as me saying, like, yeah, I went 50 pounds over. Like, that's – 50 pound all-time PR, baby. Yeah. Video cut out, though. Phone broke. <laughs> yeah, phone broke. I almost seriously went into the video or, like, the uh, security cameras – just to see the speed, just to like, give like like an accurate thing, like okay, what should we do? I guess you know, but like when you really look at it, uh, going back to the, uh, the 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 lost footage, like I guess it wasn't as fast as we both thought because I ended up missing seven seventy one, or like as as what was I thought? Because if you like RP nine to seven fifty, you got to throw like twenty pounds onto that. Like that's pr- probably fair. Like if you had RP nine at seven fifty. Your one rep max should be a little bit over, like seven seventy one, if you're going like on a really strict RPE scale. So maybe it wasn't really as fast as I thought. Maybe it was 
you know, maybe it was an RP nine and a half and I overshot a little bit. So that's, that's why that data is important. Videos are huge. Mm -hmm. It's such an indicator. I remember like at nationals, I would watch the live stream back like because like I wanted to see what I had on the day mm. and I was literally watching the live stream to see like how the lift looked. So for you to like miss that footage, I was like pretty gutted. Like when I heard that you missed your third attempt deadlift, like I'm like, I'm not going to lie. I remember seeing that and I was like, dang, like if only he would have like, if we would have known what 750 looked like, like we could have like, I bet he like would have pulled the exact right number. It would have been sick. Well, I will say this though, in regards to that meet, we were just going seven seventy one because we won the meet. Like it was, it was the the super. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was like this absolute like. All right, that's the all time world record right now. Uh, Ina broke that, so it's like let's gun it up there. Do we have it in us? We'll see. Like that one, but it was still like the number like in a range with like was like three fifty five or like three forty five to three fifty. That was our range. Like let's go to the higher end because you already won the meet. Like at this point, who the fuck cares about total? Like yeah. it's not raw nationals. You won best overall. Like this is a money meet. You already won the money. Let's just you know go seven seventy one because I think that day, like when I missed it, me Garrett and Joe were both in unison. Like we probably should have just did like if it was say a meet. Like let's say if I had to pull for the win or something, it's like three forty or just trying to help my ranking a little bit. Like three forty five would have been the appropriate take. Um, and we both kind of agreed, like, yeah, 345, 347, based on how your second attempt moved, would probably be the thing. And we never, like, never really take that big kilo jumps. I think it was, a like, a 17 and a half kilo jump from the second to third. So, it's it was pretty uh, substantial. But, yeah, you know, I mean, though, so what, what would you say would help your training the most? Would it be the videos? Because I, I do agree, like, I don't have videos of myself when I compete at meets. And a lot of times Joe can attest to this. I tell him something like, I like, yeah, that moved okay on my second attempt. And then he's like, really? It looked really good to me. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. It kind of felt a little janky at the top or like at the midpoint. And then if I had the footage, I would have known that it moved really, really well. And that happened at the Arnold where like we took a little bit of a conservative third. Granted, it was still a huge meat PR. But we took a conservative third, and it flew. And I looked at the video. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, we were really undershot there. Um, and if I would have had the video, I might have taken a, you know, my attempt differently. So is that – is, like, the video aspect the most important part that helps your training, or is there something else? Uh, honestly, I would say, yeah. I mean, it's such a, like – it's such a, like, niche thing, like, nuanced thing, but, like, I would say yes, because most of the time, especially like with how I train and how Joey has like us set up is you want to go into every session, not fully recovered, but not totally beat. We want to be right in that middle. That's that sweet spot where we can gain. If I, if I go into a day, I probably shouldn't be feeling a hundred percent unless it's planned Mm -hmm. out. And most of those days aren't. So I, you got to get really good at looking at a video and completely forgetting about how you feel that's like where again like yelling comes into hand because i'll look at a video and be like okay i have another 20 pounds but in my mind that last single was rpe 11 but like i can see by the video and like i know my strength that i know that i can go up by 20 and like 
keep it at an RPE eight or whatever. So mm. I would say, yeah, actually, that's probably the most important thing in training. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, when we talk about technology, like, I, we had a really old show topic. I don't even know if it was on, you know, Spotify and iTunes. It might have been back when Two White Lights was a radio show um, about, like, technology to helps, that helps us the most or a piece of equipment that helps us the most. A lot of people said video, like, just having a smartphone that you could quickly analyze your lift. And that's been big with us, too. Like, you know, bar path is big. Uh, positioning is big. Like, so many things we could nitpick on our technique. And really fix it. So yeah, I would say, yeah, a video, a video camera for a lot of people or just a smartphone is is big. Now, for a guy like you who brings so much energy into their training, it, are you one of the lifters that it's hard to reel it back, or like hard, to, hard for you to quote unquote? You are a flex athlete, so I get to use this term, stay in the pocket. Or are you just like, you know, if it feels good, it's hard for me not to add five kilos or something to a top set. So thankfully, this is where I pull the fat card, baby. So I only work out four days a week. Mm -hmm. So like if I push it an extra day, I have like a full day of recovery ahead of me. And like, say, say I push a little bit hard on squats on Monday. I don't squat again until Friday. So like, I know if you're like an 83, it's like, Oh, SBD session. Okay. Tomorrow I have squat and deadlifts again. And it's like, Oh, Oh snap. Like that's a lot. So for me, I, I can get away with it. Uh, we use the term like flying close to the fire. Like you can fly close to the fire, but you know that if you fly too often, like you're going to get burned eventually. So yeah. I try not to. Um, the cool thing with me is like, not I wouldn't say cool, but like uh, that like emotion and like energy I can put into an RPE 6 single just because that's how I am. So I can go in and like I, I something that's helped me a lot is if I have an RPE six single or like RPE six to seven, instead of focusing on it being a heavier weight and just making it move, I pick a lighter weight and say, I'm going to move this fast. (laughs) And then I get angry and like, and like aggressive and like, I'm going to tell myself I move it fast. And then it's a six because I moved it fast. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of switch how I kind of switch how I approach the day in terms of like aggressiveness. Okay. Yeah. I, I, it's interesting to see certain lifters because I mean, I, I, and everyone's programming is different, right? A lot of people follow that RPE, but a lot of people's challenge is staying close to that RPE. Like I, I, and I have experienced it a little bit recently because I've always been the guy to be like, how the hell, when you see those memes of lifters not staying on program, it's like, Oh, I felt good today. So, you know, I've won our max. Like, how the hell do people do that? Like, I, to me, that's, like, out of this world. Because, like, I just can't bring myself to that idea. Like, why would you want to wonder at max on, a, like, a Tuesday at the gym? Like, that's crazy. Like, that's, that's insane to me. Um, but then the challenge for a lot of lifters is the opposite of that. It's, like, get aggressive where you actually get close to an R, like, a true RP 9 or 10 lift. And... It's interesting to hear people's deferring struggles because I've always gone on this. I've always said like being a hard worker isn't necessarily doing six workouts, like six extra workouts the day when it's not prescribed to you. You know, you're working hard technically, but the hard work is actually being efficient with your training and staying disciplined 
when you have an RP6 because RP6 day is like, all right, well, you know, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's, you're going out of the, you're rolling out of bed. You're thinking about training. It's like, all right, you're not really getting talent today. You're hitting an RP6. But the hard work yeah. is actually hitting that RP6 and making it an actual RP6 and staying conservative. Like, that's the hard work. And it's like the opposite. Like, for a lot of people, the hard work is actually challenging yourself to hit when it's prescribed an RP9 and not being conservative and sandbagging it. Yeah, I think that comes down to, like, mindset, too, because, like, it's hard for a lot of people to switch like that. So, like, if you go into it, like, say your max is, like, on any lift, say it's 300, or, like, your max is 350, right? So you go in, you have an RP6 single. You're like, oh, well, I they always go for, like, the heavier weight instead of, like, the speed, right? So they're like, okay, well, I'm going to make – I'm going to go 315. It's going to be heavy, but like I'll move it at a six instead of being like, all right, I'm going to go 300 and move it really fast. So it really looks like a six. And like people just get into that. Like there are days, like if you have a, a single at eight, like you're obviously not going to be like, okay, I'll take 300 and then like move it slow. Like that doesn't make sense. Mm. So that's when you pick that, like I'll go heavier, like, and like try and make it move like an eight. But I think it's, it is hard for people, especially like, those like like you said, people that get into that mindset that oh, but yeah, that's where I feel like people struggle sometimes. Is it's hard for them to kind of make that switch because it is a skill. Yeah, true. So is that something you and Joey work on? Like, because I've been having a lot. I mean, really, it's coincidence that most. Geez, I'm like on a really flex athlete run here, including Joey Flex himself. Um, what's up? Based Angelo. Yeah, I guess. I just found out what that fucking meant, but, um, <laughs> yeah, cause yeah, I'm, I guess I'm boomering myself right now. I'm showing my age, but so how, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but like with flex, like, cause I, I've had a lot of athletes on and you know, we've, we've, we've covered a lot with flex, like with his coaching. Um, and we've spoke a little bit more about it now. So, how how does that play in when you're trying to think that like is it are those conversations that he's having with you are those conversations that you're having with him is it something that he, like are those disciplines something that he taught you or is it something that you kind of bought in already when working with him um so i wouldn't say it's a bought in thing and i wouldn't say it's a coach thing it's more in my opinion it's more of a you find it out <laughs> like mm-hmm. if you push for the weight for two weeks you're gonna feel trashed so you learn like i i hate i love just going into a session and feeling good after leaving the session so if i go into a session expecting to move my heavy weight at a six that's that's that is uh that is unrealistic to do that so i'm gonna feel bad at the end of the session because i didn't accomplish what i should have accomplished so you end up like not wanting to do that. It's, it's like I let myself down. So then I learn, okay, I need to move it faster. So I need to drop the weight back. So it's more like you, you feel more beat up and you feel like disappointed in yourself. And like from my standpoint, because I keep myself accountable. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. That makes, that makes sense. That's a, that's a pretty, that's a, like a, it's a good way of going about it, you know, too. Cause I think a lot of young lifters get away from that mindset. They get away yeah. from that type of discipline when it comes to their training. So, so that, and let me ask you this, cause we talk so much about training and we're really circling back here and working backwards. How did you get your start into powerlifting? Because you have a really good mindset and approach to training, but it, and it's 
rare when you get a young person to do that. So how did, how did you get involved in the sport? Um, so I did football when I was younger, uh, like most powerlifters and I was naturally good at lifting weights. I mean, I was, uh, I was 200 pounds in sixth grade. So I was a beefy boy, but I was not, I was, I was fairly tall, but definitely, definitely not muscular. So once we really started getting into the weight room, um, was when I was like, dang, like this is fun. And I have asthma and a thyroid, uh, I have a thyroid autoimmune disease. Mm-hmm. So those kind of really affected the way that I could uh, play football and wrestle. I'm also only six feet tall. So like six feet tall, 260 is not like, that's not, you can't be a linebacker and you can't be a lineman. So go fuck yourself. So, <laughs> um, it was kind of like, I was like, dang, like this sucks. And like, I love being an athlete, like just like performing, not for other people, but more like, like, Oh shit. Yeah. Like I'm an athlete. Let's go. So when I started like lifting, I was like, dang, I'm good at this. And so then I, it was junior year, senior year of football season. I I was squatting and benching and that year my bench really blew up. Uh, it went, I, I think junior year I benched 300 and senior year I benched 400. So it really, and then I had a lot of support from my team at the time because they're like, Oh yeah, this is like, this is like 400 pound bench in a sub 10,000 people town, Meadville, Pennsylvania. Like no, nobody that was unheard of. Mm -hmm. Like we're like, Whoa, his ass was, three feet high and he touch and go in, but that's insane. <laughs> so like to me, I'm the strongest man in the world. And then I look up a backyard federation and I'm like, Holy shit. I'm the world record holder. And so like, I was like, dang, this is really cool. Like I'm going to be elite at this. Cause I know I can't be elite at like football and wrestling. Cause I wanted to be that, like, whatever I do, I'm a perfectionist. I, I love to just be the best that I can be. Um, whether like, even if I'm not going to be the best, I want to be the best that I can be. But being the best that I can be, if there's a chance that I can be the best ever, shit. <laughs> like, so uh, after I learned that, like, you had to start deadlifting, like, <laughs> I had to start deadlifting. So uh, January of my senior year of high school, we would wrestle. Our wrestling practices were stupid. So I, fo- I played football and I wrestled, and our wrestling practices were so hard. We would lift for like an hour and fifteen minutes, condition like hard conditioning, thirty minutes of sprints. Then we would wrestle, condition, wrestle, and then condition. Our practices were three and a half hours long. And I shit you not, we would weigh, I would weigh myself before practice and after practice. I would lose six plus pounds of body weight every single practice. Not like rarely ever under six pounds of, of like weight. That's like three-fourths of a gallon of sweat. So like we would die. And I literally remember going like hard at lifting because I enjoyed it so much. So then like the rest of the practice, I was just dogged. So that was when I was like, dang, I really like, I'm like going through this. I'm torturing myself because I like lifting so much. So then literally the week that wrestling ended, like um, my, our heavyweight, like beat me in like a double overtime match by one point, he ended up like placing fourth at States. So I wasn't mad at myself about that. Um, I also played football and he didn't. So he was a full-time wrestler, but, um, he was a beast. So 
at, like literally the week that I found out I wasn't going to like nationals or regionals or anything like that, I signed up for a meet eight weeks away and ran a T Nation four week peak twice right into <laughs> it, baby. <laughs> and man, I like I went into that meet. It was a hundred percent raw meat, so like not the biggest meat. Like didn't matter too much, but it was like it meant the world to me. And like I had a lot of people that like they're like, oh cool, you lift, but I'm like. it was the biggest thing to me and like it was like motivating to me that nobody cared because i was like i don't care about you like i know i'm gonna be good at this so give me a couple years so that was kind of like really motivating to me um and then like a year later was when i did my first usapl meet and then that's when i was like well i did like a usapl meet a little bit after that one but it was like the uh, i was so I took like RP six like lifts, but then I took my first serious meet uh, like a year later. And then driving home from that meet was again when I hit the mindset of I'm gonna be good at this. Let's take this serious. And then that's when I approached someone that like meant a lot to me, and I asked her like, "Hey, what do you think about me hiring a coach? It's like expensive, like it's like multiple thousands of dollars a year, but like I don't do anything else. Like this is my only hobby." And she like encouraged me and like was one of the first people ever to like tell me to pursue it and i'm so thankful for her so like so then that's when i hit up joey and was like hey like let's work together he thankfully took me on and it's been we've been smooth sailing since yeah man that's a that's a that's a pretty good story and i can imagine because i know a little bit about pennsylvania um they're big into football and wrestling right like those are some things that you almost have to do if you live in that state is like either play football or wrestle and i know a lot of so, so then like, what's the, uh, what's, what's the lifting scene down in Pennsylvania? Is it like booming or is it something, is it something that wrestlers and football players do and they really have an interest towards it? Like, all right, you know what? I really love, like very similar to you. You love the lifting. You love just, just killing yourself in the weight room. And this is something so- that I can do if I say, don't go to, you know, uh, like a D one through three university to to play those sports is it something like that's in the it's it's always in your back mind um no so that's kind of what was like that's what was like different about me was like i had to really search for that so there is like the philly area which is all the way on the right side of pennsylvania i don't know how it is over there obviously they have power build and like stuff like that so it's for sure more serious than the left side, but I'm all the way in the left side of Pennsylvania, like literally 30 minutes away from Ohio. And the lifting scene is not very large. A lot of it would be like bro lifting that are like, they're running, like they're running stuff. And like, they just lift to like get huge. And they're like kind of insecure, but like, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to say that, but um, so, I mean, today, it's not totally inaccurate, but yeah. Well, yeah. So uh, usually if it's like, like if a football player like enjoys lifting more than football, they usually just end up going down like the bro lifting steroids, bodybuilding pump, like, but don't ever do anything. And if they do, it's like they do one bodybuilding competition that's like local and then they train people for the rest of their life, like local train people. Mm-hmm. So like I would say like within within 40 miles, I'm probably like one of the only USAPL lifters that I know. So like that's another thing with like lifting, like, like with footage is like, it's super helpful because I train by myself most of the time because I don't have that, like that's like community around me. So Mm. I would say like, if you are into like lifting, 
like out here in northwestern Pennsylvania, you just you never really compete. So that's why you don't really hear people all the way out here by me on this side of like making it big. But there are definitely some strong people out here. Yeah, I don't doubt that. Like I know Pennsylvania, like alluded to it before with the football scene that they have. Just always curious, like because Texas, for example, like Texas, massive football state, but obviously huge powerlifting base. Like it seems, seems like a lot of those guys who, if they don't make it, say to the desired college of choice to play football, they're like, all right, well, I love lifting weights, and I have so many friends who lift weights, so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick up powerlifting or you know something else to that nature. But yeah. I mean, not even like, not even like, oh, I don't make it into my college or whatever. They just end up doing it, period, because it's mm-hmm. like a high school thing. Like, if you look at like Jesus, like Jesus made it to college. He did good. Like, yeah. he made back, stuff like that. And then he ended up like doing really well in powerlifting. High school powerlifting in like, in this side of Pennsylvania is not a thing. So, like, yeah. I think that that's where it's like a little bit different. It's like, especially in Texas, like, you have that high school background. So you can be like, Oh, like I'm done with, or I'm like two years or three years, or I'm done with college. I already did a high school meet. I'm fairly like, like I'm fairly accustomed to powerlifting. Let's do it. Like, let's keep competing. But like PA doesn't have that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's the case in most states that aren't Texas. You know what I mean? Like Illinois, for example, is, I mean, it's got a decent powerlifting scene. Like no matter where you go in Illinois, it's got, it's like powerlifting gym, like kind of in there. Like Chicago's got its area, like in the in the city, we got a few actually. But then you get into the suburbs of Chicago land area, there's there's a few powerlifting gyms scattered. If you go down south, there's two or three, like still down there, like in you know, it, it seems like a different country down there. But um, if, if Illinois lifters, it's, or Illinois, yeah, lifters listening to the show right now, it is like you get guys who talk like me for like in that Chicago land area. Then you go down south Illinois, it's like where the f- are we in? The South right now? Like, are, is there Confederate flags, like, somewhere around here? Because they have these weird accents. Like, uh, like Southern accents. Like, what the fuck just happened? But, yeah, that's that's curious. And, yeah, and you're you right with that, like, where people just kind of pick up powerlifting. And I think that something that I've talked about a lot is high schoolers finding out that powerlifting is, of course, you're not going to get the full-ride scholarship um, to, you know, Texas University or, I mean, University of Texas or, you know, University of Southern California or Alabama for powerlifting. It's going to be for football. But at the same time, lifting weights is a whole lot easier on your body than getting, you know, fucking smashed on the line or being a running back and getting, you know, fucking blinds. I mean, Russ Orhe, like when he was at Texas Tech, because he was, you know, a terrific Division I athlete, he said that on the show, like he got fucking blindsided and blown up. He's like, man, why am I even doing this? Like, why, why am I here? Why am I doing this on, spe- like, I just got blown up, like, and then the powerlifting's that way, and I guess I might have painted a little bit of picture that, like, it's always something to fall back on, but a lot of people are really successful, like, Russ, Division One athlete, Taylor Atwood, um, Division One. I, I don't know if he played Division One, but he ended up playing a little bit in the CFL, like, he was trying to pursue a professional football career, and there's a lot of guys who are, you know, Division One athletes who, or or they can actually make the NFL. Akuna, I have, I don't know. If I yeah, Akuna Matata, I think is or Akuna Makwada, I think his name I is. I always Akuna go, Matata. I always go by, go by Instagram because he's a, he's a terrific lifter himself. He played for for the Atlantic Falcons. 
Um, but I mean, in a powerlifting sense, we always have to refer people by their Instagram handles. So I think it's Akuna Makwada is his uh, handle, and I'll maybe fact check that a little bit later because he's a terrific lifter himself, very good 105 lifter, and yeah, he played in the NFL for a stint. Oh, that was another thing too. What like that really attracted me to lifting was I heard, especially out here in PA, like. If you're like decent at football, you play college football. Doesn't matter where you go, you go because you're not like like I don't want to say you're not smart enough to be like get into a regular college, but like that's just what you do, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like how like you play you play high school football and wrestling. If you're better at one of them, you go to college for it. That's how it works. But I I hear every single person that plays PA college football that they're like fifty, they're like. Man, my body is fucking wrecked from football. This hurts. I can't move my shoulder 90 degrees. My leg is gone. <laughs> like, so that's what like I was like, well, dang, like lifting's a lot safer. Like, I'm gonna do that. Like, for heck with heck with playing D three football that's not gonna take me anywhere. Let's see if I can do lifting and get me somewhere. Yeah, dude. I mean, playing in I mean, Illinois football scene is not I mean, people are passionate about it, of course, but Going to the high school I went to and finding, I, I mean, just within the high school season, I think I've talked about it before on a few episodes where I have friends, especially when I was playing with them in high school football, who must not didn't need college to mess up their bodies. They had played, I mean, just through high school football, they messed up their bodies. And it was nagging injuries that they never got fixed because they're high schoolers and really don't know how to even fix them or how to approach it. Or the overwhelming like thought like, okay, I can't take a day off because my team relies on me, which is good to a sense. It's good to have that mindset because I think that's a, it is a healthy one going into like the workforce or going into college. Like, Hey, if you could really put this dedication to a sport, you could put your dedication to a whole lot of other things, but you know, but there's a fine line. Like seeing my friends who really, I mean, their shoulder like are like playing on a torn labrum throughout the entire season and then completely messing up that part of their body where they can't do something for the rest of their, like for really, they can't do something like normal for the rest of their lives or like they really even couldn't pick up weightlifting because it was like, all right, this nagging injury is too much for me. It's crazy. And, but then I, like you do have that force, like, okay, I should play college football. Then I was thinking to myself, cause the same thing. I got to play division three college football somewhere. Not that hard. You just got to really for division three football. You just, you know, get a little bit of scholarship money. You, you sign up for the team, you play, you, you, no one really knows that you play football for division three college football. And that's, that's it. Like that to me, just wasn't attractive at all. I'm like, why the hell would I even do that? There's no, there's no end goal to this. So, I mean, that's where you pick up weightlifting. It's like, yeah. As that other, and luckily I didn't, you know, screw up my body that much in high school. Yeah. Like, like two things with that is like, I was really scared because like I enjoyed lifting so much. I still, I have tons of friends, like, like a fourth of the people that I played high school football with. They're like, Oh yeah. I, like I can't move my shoulder here. And that's just high school football. So I was like, if I go to college, like I'm for sure going to mess something up to where I'm not going to be able to lift to the standard that I want to. That's going to make me like really upset. So there was like, not only that, but then like football, college football is super social and I was never, like, a really big social person. I wasn't, like, a super popular person. Mm-hmm. I was never – I was just pretty, like, nerdy. Not nerdy, but a little bit nerdy and just kept to myself and, and did my thing. Um, I've I've actually still never, like, drank or smoked. Like, I don't think that's a big thing. But, like, 
if you go to play college football, you're drinking and smoking every weekend. So like, that's like what they do. That's our social thing. But like, if I don't do that, there's no point in me to go and wreck my body in football. Yeah, it's a good point. Now, let me, let me ask you this. Cause so you would have to, I mean, you would, you would still be in like this, this boom, the boom era of uh, powerlifting, especially in the collegiate level. So has there ever been a point in your powerlifting career where you're like, man, it would be awesome to go to like Midland or it'd be awesome to go to UTSA or uh, McKendry or one of these other powerlifting type schools to compete at collegiate nationals because I, I don't even think I could have enjoyed that when I was in college because I didn't even know those existed. Like it was something because I, I, I enjoyed lifting weights, but I think I would have really loved powerlifting when I was in college. Like, and I just didn't like see anything. that's like, oh, here's an attractive option for you. But I, you're in that you're in that era of powerlifting where that is an attractive option. And we see the 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 I think collegiates is booming right now. I, I see a lot of guys really into it and they're really into the team aspect. And I think with that social aspect you're talking about, because sports provide a need in a lot of different ways. You know, it, it's not necessarily always about winning and losing. It's like it is character building while you're playing sports. And it is, there's a social aspect. And if you would like, if you would go to those, if you were to go to a Midland school, if you were to go to UTSA or McKendry, you would be surrounded by people like you, like powerlifters. And there, there is a culture of powerlifters, like smoking and drinking. It doesn't seem like their thing. You know what I mean? Or like yeah. doing certain things. It seems like a lot of it is lifting weights and really conversing and socializing about lifting weights and kind of the as the different aspects of the sport so is that ever an option for you or is ever anything you ever thought about so i will like first off i will totally agree with you that i think that like lifters like not all of them but the majority of them have just like a different mindset right and like like when i go like say i go to a powerlifting gym like out of state I feel connected to everybody and it's such a like euphoric feeling mm -hmm. because I feel like a lot of the times lifters like powerlifters and stuff like that, not, they don't feel lonely, but like there's, there's a different aspect to us. So when we're surrounded by other people, I think that's why nationals has such the, of like an aura where it's like, Holy shit, everybody here. Like we're all one. We're just mm -hmm. like one big unit that lifts and like, you just have those connections and that's why like nationals is such a big thing for everybody. Um, but for like the, the collegiate collegiate thing, I would have really liked that. Um, but like I said, I did my first meet like literally right as my senior year was ending. So I would say it was like a year after I graduated high school that I was like, Oh, collegiate powerlifting is a thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like darn, like I wish I would have learned this six eight a year like months a year ago like that would have been super cool to go to midland or like utsa or like somewhere like that um but now that i'm looking back on it i think my like my family needed me um one which is partial of the reason why i didn't go to college uh, i lost my father when i was young so I, i'm the the oldest uh, man in the house is, is a single mom um, so I kind of needed there, needed to be there for my two younger brothers, um, just emotionally, financially, just everything, uh, even for like myself, like I, I couldn't, I couldn't have gone to college and something happened. Like I, knowing me, I would completely blame myself. So I, I needed to be here. So like, uh, it's good that I didn't have that temptation to go. Cause my mom, 
well, depending on how, depending on my mom, what kind of mood she's in, she probably would have pushed me to go just because she wants me, she wants the best for me. So uh, there's that, but then also like a burnout factor is like, mm-hmm. I've been able to just kind of work and lift. If I was surrounded by everybody that was like me, like pushed so hard every day, you see a lot of like the collegiate level athletes, like, I don't want to say they wash up, but like, you see a lot of people that they're super young, super, super talented, super athletic, and then you just don't hear them getting to that next level. So I think kind of taking it slow uh, has been really beneficial. Yeah, and I can see that with a unique living situation such as yourself, like I can see that. And that is, I think, something that's not talked about a lot is burnout in collegiate level. I think people reserve that for like higher levels of powerlifting, which is weird because I, when you think of college, you're you're probably going to be more suspect to burning out at that time, eighteen through twenty two. One, you're not really that mature, my with your mindset, and two, you have a lot of responsibilities. It's either you're working, going to class, and you know trying to get your degree. Then if you're a collegiate athlete. You're working, going to class, trying to get the degree. Then if you're a high-level collegiate athlete, you know, you really got to – you're pushing yourself to win. You're pushing yourself to fulfill your potential as a lifter or as an athlete and still at the same time earn your degree. And there's no there's no pro level. There's nothing – like there's no pro level powerlifting. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, those guys who are busting their ass at, you know, Alabama – you know, you get the you get the NFL maybe to look forward to. You get the uh, you get you get something higher there that is life changing money. You don't really have that in powerlifting, so that's a good point. Actually, I don't think I've heard a you know a young uh, college level lifter you know say something like that. So that's uh, yeah, it's an interesting that's an interesting take you have there. I mean, you think about it too, like not to like rag on us, but we're fragile. Like like because you think about it, you get an injury now, so. At say we'll take a forty a forty year old level lifter and a twenty year old level lifter. A forty year old lifter, the chances of them burning out, they've been lifting for 30, 25, 30 years. Why would they burn out now? It's literally just routine. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's twenty, it's been what maybe a couple years. If they get a hard injury, the chances of them being like, ah, it's only been a couple years. Like heck, I'm just gonna be like done because like it's it's easier to be done when you're younger. If you think about anybody that's fallen off, they're all like young. You don't hear like, oh, Jennifer Thompson just got tired of lifting and quit. Like that shit doesn't happen. You've done yeah. that for years. Like it's what you are. It's routine. So like the only time you hear about stuff like that is like when they become like they have such a hard injury that they physically can't come back and they're gutted about it. You don't hear like, oh, this 21 year old lifter like. Yeah, he got a knee injury and like was so set, like he just, just like couldn't compete. Like it, it doesn't usually happen. Mm-hmm. It's usually just burnout, and they just haven't had that. Like you, you really find out who's really in it to be in it. Yeah, when you yeah, they would kind of find that they would find at that stage if they're in it or not. Like, but I will say because this is something that I I think powerlifters have to be aware of, and I and I know I've we've had a few episodes relating to this where it, they just get in a rut with lifting you know what i mean where if you dominate or if something like powerlifting is dominating so much of your time and you all of a sudden start like sucking at it or you start getting hurt a little bit there's more nagging injuries and then he's like okay i have nothing to fall back on like that's a little bit more extreme for like older lifters because it's like such a part of their lives that, or they they really haven't filtered in something else that'll help them keep occupied. Because, I mean, you, you say, like, Jen Thompson, 
but like I, I look at certain lifters who I've followed early in the sport, and I look at now, and I know they're you know with within the age range of you know not, they're not exactly young anymore; they're in their thirties or their late twenties, and I see it's like you're, it feels like they're just not in it as much, or they yeah. fo- I, I would actually because I mean I could be lighting a fire under his ass, but what, what, what are you gonna say? Also, preface. Jennifer Thompson, you're a unit. You're great. I'm not calling you old. Please don't take offense to that. <laughs> I need to preface that. You're yeah. just like the first lifter that popped into my mind. But you could use anybody. Ray. Well, I was about to say Ray. I was about to say, like, yeah, like, does it feel does it feel like Ray isn't exactly he doesn't have the killer instinct that he had two years ago? I don't think so. I think he still does. Yeah. But, like, like, it, but it's like it's hard to say because you see his performance, he like I would actually, I mean, I would love to, to yeah, interview him for this because it's, it would be, his take would be unique than, you know, you, you're in, yours and mine because we're, I mean, you've been lifting for, you know, you've been competing for what, two years now? Uh, yeah. Two years. I'm at, I'm at four years. So we're not like at the level of Ray, you know what I mean? Because Ray's been, but Ray's been kicking ass, you know, since like when I started lifting, he's been, he was already like fucking the best. He was the yeah. dude. And recently he's been kind of like, all right. We have some people that could dethrone him with Jesus, Derek, and Trey, and all those guys. But like it, when when you see him at Worlds and bombs out, and then at Raw Nationals doesn't really build his squat back up to that thousand pounds he was hitting at like consecutive powerlifting meets. It's like okay, is there something there where he's just not as motivated because he's kicked ass for such a long time, and it's just start getting it starting to wear on him, and the body is starting to wear on him. Is, there, is he becoming? Is he a rut? Is he in a rut? But then, you know, you could say that, and then he just fucking kills it at Raw Nationals because he has that motivation now because he sees Jesus, Derek, Trey, these young super heavyweights, like, really, like, all right, we're fucking coming for you, dude. Like, we're – so, I don't know. It, it's interesting, but I – there's certain lifters where it's like, I think this lifting got old to them or they just weren't performing at the highest level that they possibly can. Like, it's it's something that I would just like to, like, to talk to certain people because I think they have experienced a level of burnout. Because I feel like Ray would be a testament to ones who like keep pushing though. Because like yeah. you put a twenty-year-old athlete, they're dominant for multiple years, go to a Worlds, bomb out, don't do the well at like the next Nationals, have a bad injury, got sick. What are the chances that college-level athlete comes back? Or they're yeah. like, yeah, well, pack it up. But Ray is like, hey, I'm gonna win, and that's like super. Like, I respect him for that. That's awesome. Like, so that's like a testament to like the older people, in my opinion. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, I think the same thing was said about Atwood. For a little bit there, which is funny yeah. because he didn't do anything that would really signify a burnout or aggression. I think it was the yeah. knee-jerk reaction. I mean, myself included. I was in the guy who was getting hypnotized by the younger dudes where I'm like, all right, well, I mean, I don't know how much progress Atwood can make at this age in powerlifting, especially when it looks like he's slowing down a little bit. And then, you know, and it was the, that, the funny knee-jerk reaction of powerlifting where they see someone just not post something on Instagram for a while or not post and really at what his training doesn't really show like heavy singles or is he doesn't really take those heavy singles anyways. So, and the younger lifters do like, they really show what they're working with at all times. And I, but like power, like I, I, I would, it would be totally irresponsible for me to say power lifters or a majority of power lifters, or at least a good portion of power lifters didn't peg at what is someone who is falling off. 
and regressing. And then he just fucking lays a nuke on people. And he just destroys the next comp board. They're like, yeah, we're going to all total 800. Or like, this is the race 800 kilos. And he fucking raised it to 815. And he made it look easy. It looked like he was hitting RP9s. And it's like, all right, so I guess we were just wrong on that. Looks like It looks like there's some waves in powerlifting, but doesn't necessarily mean that someone is completely falling off. Where you see younger guys, and, and I have actually seen this, and I think you and I have seen this just based on discussions that we've seen and had, where they're all high on piss and vinegar when they're 19 through, like, 21, and they're like, okay, I'm going to total this number. I'm going to do this, and injuries get in the way or burnout gets in the way or a bad meet happens and they're just like nah you know fucking why even post they, they get into a rut where they're like eh, why even post something on instagram why even do this on instagram why even why even really like put myself in this position of competition anymore where atwood was just harnessing all of it and he goes and kills it so yeah i mean that that's a good example to bring up like differences between you know the older generation and the younger generation yeah, I can't remember who said it. Shout out to whoever it is, but they've said it before: is powerlifting is a very "what have you done for me lately" sport. So yeah, I mean, I'm gonna take credit for it. I think I've said it at least once, right? Like, I'll be the quote. I'll be yeah. It, it, well, I mean, me and Can, me and Candido did did talk about it. It's like people all of a sudden are start like like you're like Yuri Belkin, right? He had a meet where he still killed it. He did amazing, but people are kind of like negating him now because. He isn't doing some. He isn't doing as much as, or he isn't posting as much, or he isn't doing as much as Ashton's right now. Like Ashton's kind of taking that forefront, and he's like he's the he's the new, like guy who's like quick quickly rising and the totals he's doing are amazing. But then people start to negate Yuri Belkin. It's like what the, what dude? What the hell? Are, like he's Yuri Belkin still, and he's still putting up crazy numbers. Then you, I mean, even with Ray, the example with Ray. It's we're saying he's regressing as power, but it's who crazy. was the last? Who was the last national champion in super heavyweights for the USAPL? Last right. like four. Yeah, five. I was like, but, but like, if you're gonna say someone's regressing, like he won still. It's like yeah. you can't be, you can't be like, yeah, he's a, like they're the Super Bowl champions, but you know they kind of look like shit doing it. Like, no, they won the Super Bowl. Like, yeah. y- you could say the forecast is going to happen if he's going to repeat, but he is still the king until someone proves proves him otherwise. Like, and that, it is a knee jerk thing because we see more of the younger super heavyweights right now, and I think at the time of Atwood. We were seeing so much from Perk. We were seeing so much from Pug. We were seeing a lot from C, and we got started getting that the the the, the trash talk going on, and like the real vocal lifters. And a teeny bit from that. What's it? Gaga. I don't remember. Yeah, 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 But really, he he really put all of his shit talk towards me. Yeah, engages. Gage's shit talk just turned all towards me where he's like, I don't even care about 74s. I just want to out-total Angelo at 74. <laughs> so I, I guess I turned into his Atwood and Pug like really quickly there. But you see all the guys. You see all those guys putting up these numbers, and they're very active on social media. And we started, we somehow forgot about Atwood. And it's crazy that we forgot about him because he kicked all of their asses. It wasn't close like Ray and... Uh, and, and Trey at, at Nationals where Ray won by two and a half kilos Paul, uh, Atwood kicked all of their asses 
Like, it wasn't close. It was not close. The only guy who had a chance was C, and he, you know, couldn't complete his deadlifts. Then when you look at Perk and Pug, no, Atwood just demolished them. <laughs> it wasn't close. And, and But like, but we came into this thing like, oh, well, yeah, he's regressing. And we forgot about that performance because the other guys were just talking louder and posting more of their lifts on Instagram, which is crazy. That's 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 how op- that's how powerlifting operates now. Yeah, for sure. Yep. So, all right, word association. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. We haven't done this in a while, and I'm I'm glad to br- bring it back up. So, word association. I'm going to give you a word, and you're gonna be the first word that comes to mind. USAPL. Needs more money in it. Needs more money in it. Yes, absolutely. I agree. I think everything needs more money in it. Like literally yes. everything. If more money was involved, it would be amazing. <laughs> I think we need we need a stimulus for the USAPL. Yeah. Did Did they get one? Does that Does that Does USAPL I, qualify for stimulus checks? I hope so. We should have a stimulus check meet. We get all of our stimulus checks. We combine them. Combine them like really high roller gambling here. What's that? What's a it? cash pool like prize? Yeah, man. we get all. Yeah, cash pool prize. Best overall lifter gets the entire pot. Boom. Or actually, best overall lifter gets the prize, and then we get second and third. You get your. You get the uh, the two K stimulus check that people wanted as second place, and then you get your stimulus check back if you're third. We should round robin it. <laughs> yeah. You know, we should just, we should have, at this point, we should just do a raffle lottery. <laughs> Don't even compete. Just <laughs> raffle off the, raffle off Guys, numbers and see who gets first. it. Save, save, save your stimulus checks. We're combining them all. USAPL raffle. <laughs> yeah. But I do, I do like more money. And I think a lot of people are echoing that. So I think certain means, if you add more money into it, yeah, of course, uh, it's going to bring a little bit more. Uh, attention to the sport, but also give the lifters a little bit of incentive because, you know, money's good. M- money's, I know, you know, people, people talk a lot of shit about money nowadays, but money is still, uh, is still a good thing. No, what were you going to oh, say? I was going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to never before done before. I'm going to second word association is, oh, fuck, what's the word? <laughs> uh... <laughs> I, I, I might have to add this because you just really hyped up this second word association. You just completely I'm, forgot it. I'm sorry to let you guys down. Uh, dang it, I can't remember. Uh, oh, um, publicity. Like we need to focus more on that. Yeah, yeah, that I agree. Means- but at the same time, I think USAPL publicity is really good as far as powerlifting goes. Do you? But do you think you? I think USAPL is at the forefront of powerlifting. Only a big meets though, and it's not like to the level that it could be. Yeah, yeah. So what? Was, so then, what would what would Isaac Whistler like to see? Because when I look at publicity and powerlifting, it's like only at the big meets, right? It's like, well, okay, USPA doesn't have, you know, their Arnold and Nationals, right? Or and then and then you throw Worlds on top of it. Like the USPA doesn't have that, and it kind of creates a smoke and mirror things that the USPA has all these massive meets. They have like one, if that. I'm gonna disagree. Well, but what are the what are the big USPA meets that are like? Oh, 
Let's do it. Like it, it, it's very few. Any, any USPA meet that has a large cash pool prize is a big meet. Bit, like Boston bosses. Is that, is that USPA? I think it's w, I think it's uh, WRPF or something. Yeah, well, I'm just going to go untested. It's like Boston bosses, like current US open, like, like, IPL Nationals is like kind of uh, like no, no, but like, see, the, like the, I, the top lifters don't even care about the Nationals. Uh, well, but I'm saying it's like it's like that it's like that thing. It's that meat. I think we need more of those. Like you look at like Hybrid Showdown. You look at like the Cage. Like there's so many different things where it's just like it's notable. Where like you see a video of orange lights and you're like, oh, that's Boston bosses. That's a sick meat. Yeah, we need more of that. We have like, the Arnold and Nationals. That's it. I think yeah. we need more like big like money ticket meets where people are like, oh, like that are like notable meets. We're like, oh, that's a USA, that's a big USAPL meet. I think two, just two a year, just isn't enough. I I, I can agree with you on that. I would like to see something in between. I mean, we've we've talked, uh, and actually, you might be segueing into our uh, next uh, two white lights topic here with me and Steve Denovi when we talk, you know, on the, the, the main show of what, what can be done to legitimize powerlifting. And we're, you know, discussing that, uh, as, as a bit of a show topic. And it is one of them. And we're of course centered around USAPL and IPF because that's, that's our respective federations. And we do both agree. And you agree yourself that there should be like that boss of bosses meet within the USAPL just in the middle there of Raw Nationals and the Arnold, or and then if you want to throw IPF Worlds in there too, because I think that's you know you have to have the international presence when you're talking about USAPL. Now the argument of if it should stay that way, we could, it's a whole another topic. But what I will say is there are strides within the USAPL of doing that, but we are talking about like an organization and what you just mentioned, like boss of bosses. Um, which has like boss bosses has a lot of problems, like a lot of like that was a lot of the meats. A lot of the meats were thrown out though, like you know what That's I mean. To like you though, no, 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 no. But like you. no, legitimately, like the meat was thrown out oh. because of uh, faulty judging. Like that's bad. Like that's but, bad publicity. But does like does somebody who's a random follower on Instagram know that? No, like yeah, we're serious powerlifters, so we see such a like closed window. Mm-hmm. Somebody that sees orange lights. That's like again, we're talking general public. Yeah. We're not trying to be like, oh, let's hear, let's carry super professional meets. Like, no, we just want to reach people. Mm-hmm. People see that orange, they're like, oh shit, boss of bosses. But yeah. like, that's just like a, you know, we don't talk about oh, they misloaded Julius Maddox's like plate. Like, <laughs> like that yeah. wasn't boss of bosses, but. Well, yeah, but, like that. no, I agree with your what you're saying. And when you look at, yeah, I would say like hybrid. When you get um, the showdown, that's another one where I, oh, I think that one's like going to take the cake soon. Uh, is going to be that big publicity meet. Then you get a uh, current U.S. Open, which again, yeah, I would agree, high publicity, you get that money, uh, cash, uh, money prize into it. But it's so fragmented with the federations that do run it because people that you yourself didn't know who ran. Who? Because people associated with USPA, it's like, not a lot of those are USPA because you have to follow their certain guidelines to it. And people just like, okay, we don't want to do that. So we're going to go to WRPF, or I believe that's what the, the acronym is for it. So they can, you know, not, that's what Steffi Cohen does. So she doesn't have to follow within the guidelines of USPA. So when you do that, it's like, it's not really one federation doing it. They're just individual meet directors doing it. But I, I will still say with the USAPL's credit, 
in the world of powerlifting, they have the, I would go more raw nationals. I think the Arnold is that filler meet. That's like the all-star game. It, like if you're, yeah, I, I, and I will agree with you um, with that. But I, I still think raw nationals, the amount of publicity it gets, I think does surpass hybrid. It does surpass uh, current U.S. Open. It does surpass um, I, the showdown. When you really look at it, might go tit for tat on raw nationals as far as high profile lifters go. But it does go toe to toe with boss of bosses too. It, it it because the amount of high quality lifters and their content flowing from all places like okay. Ashton's competing this day. Russ is competing another day. Atwood's competing another day. Heather Connor's going to compete the same time as Russ. Like, the amount of publicity that generates in of itself, I think, surpasses all those other big meets. And I think the Arnold kind of could do that. That get inserted in there where there's like, where I would actually just say three, like within the USAPL, I think the capabilities with the seasons are three and I, I'm curious to see what happens with, like, in February, you got that TSS meet going down. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to get Nori competing there. You're going to get Ashley competing there. You're going to get you're gonna get Aiden or Raider competing there. You're going to get that. And, like, I think if the if the meet director utilizes the amount of star power he has in a meet or she has in a meet, you're going to start creating, like, okay, in February, the Texas meet that's going to happen, boom, that's going to be that fucking meet because we can generate money off that meet. We can have that. And like, then that's a destination for a lot of lifters. But see, that's where like you say that nationals like, Oh, you see these big battles and stuff like that. The average gen pop person, they're not going to be like, Oh my God, we know the backstory between Russell or and Sean Noriega. They don't know that. Well, they but- do know Russ though. They okay, do know, okay. but and they do know Heather Connor. They do know Danielle Mel. Like the Gen Pop fans, I would say, are more are, are skewed towards the USAPL because they have more of the Instagram famous lifters. Yeah, what I'm saying is like they like the battles are like yeah, that's that's, that's powerlifting like, specific. That's like that's, that's us. What, that's a powerlifting yeah. fan. I'm talking like 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 visually like things that catch like your eye on instagram or youtube or stuff like that where it's like whoa this was a this was like a a uh, well a spectacle yeah exactly but but hold on i would say us especially the one in lombard especially the most recent one any i don't see any other meat match production value of raw nets because the jumbotron the spotlights the single platform the, the ballroom that they had set up, that was about as legitimate spectacle as I've seen from Boss of Bosses, from the Colonel. I mean, the Colonel US Open, they were pulling on a fucking church door. They look like shit. <laughs> like, they, they, I mean, they were, I mean, the Colonel US Open is not a good example. I mean, they had a bear, they had a bear in a cage for no reason at the Colonel US Open. Very weird means. <laughs> and people know about it because of that. That's awesome. No, powerlifters know that. We were confused. <laughs> Everyone was confused. <laughs> We don't care about meat quality. <laughs> Listen, we were at Raw Nationals. We're biased. Yes, that was the best meat that USAPL has ever done. Could they have marketed it where people are like, whoa, that looks sick. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I don't think they did as good a job yes. as they could have. Now that I am 100% on board with because USAPL shoots themselves in the foot by not letting the guys who are actually famous be able to take their camera crews in and spotlight how famous they are 
and to show how amazing Raw Nationals is. Right. Like, they don't understand, I agree, they don't understand that marketing aspect. Where, like, the current U.S. Open, you know, my negative opinions of Gracie V have been well broadcasted on the show, but she does do a good job of showing how great the current U.S. Open is. Mainly to stroke her own ego, but still to show how good the current U.S. Open is where people want to compete. They've been doing an amazing job with the showdown meet. Like, that's why I think the showdown meet is that meet where I'm like, yeah, that's going tit for tat with Raw Nationals because you get Jamal Browner, you get John Hack, you get Garrett Fear, you get Joe Sullivan. You're going to, you're, the Gen Pop population is going to love that type of meets. And they do a great job of marketing. Like, Raw Nationals looking at it, the spectacle is as good as Boss of Bosses. It's as good as all that, if not better. But, yes, USAPL needs to show, like, this meet is the fucking shit, and we need more people to see it. I mean, I, the marketing, I, I mean, they, they, didn't let, they didn't let Johnny Candido, the person who made their fucking organization famous, bring his camera crew to spotlight how amazing the sport is and how it's progressed. Like, if you just bring a camera crew into, like, the lobbies, into, like, the, the interactions, like, the crowd, that would that would sell so many lifters to the USAPL. I would even argue that the Arnold has more general publicity, like, than... Like this, like not this past year, like not Corona Arnold, but the one before. Yeah. Like that is like a cooler meet to watch than Raw Nationals, which is really sad because I think Raw Nationals was the best USAPL meet that's ever been put. To, like those jumbotrons, the warm up room, the warm up room was a little small, but the amount of lifters that was there, I would say that that, that meet was the best held meet, like USAPL period. But mm-hmm. Arnold to more like regular people is more notable and more fun to watch yeah and then you get to you also get the uh, marketing advantage of like all right we're gonna be at the arnold you know what i mean yeah. so you know today you get to compete at, at usapl uh the arnold sanctioned meet at one of the three sanctioned meets that we have then after that even if you just want to spectate you can go and watch the mountain or thor deadlift a thousand pounds somewhere you can watch the highland games you can watch the strongman competitions you can maybe buy a ticket and watch the actual arnold bodybuilding competition like as far as getting people in toward the spectacle and like that gen pop crowd of course i would say the arnold is more of a marketing thing where raw nationals is more like the powerlifters meet where we are psyched because we are powerlifters and we're gonna go there and just, we know we're going to see our friends. We know we're going to just be there solely for the purpose of powerlifting, which is something I prefer. But yes, with the Gen Pop crowd, the Arnold will probably be a little bit more attractive to them. And, and it's a win-win because you think about it, you you please more Gen Pop. Like, obviously, the super powerlifters are like, I'm not going to compete in that, that spectacle of a meet. Like, there's no competition. But we bring in more people. That brings in more competition. That brings in more genes. It's a win-win. So, like, the people that want to do that spectacle meet, like, people that, like, like I'm not, like, this is not a shot at Russ, but, like, Russ is, like, very, like, he, like, he has YouTube. He has Instagram. He has all these things. Like, for him to go to, like, a, a meet that's, like, aesthetic, that'd be sick. Yeah. So, like, even, like, Sheffield, like, it kind of scares me that, like, Sheffield would have been more of, like, a raw nationals where it's, like, ooh, this is really good competition. But then, like, how, like, what's its, like, like what's its band of how many people it's going to reach because of how aesthetic it would have been? Well, well, here's the thing with Sheffield where I think it was going to be different from Raw Nationals is because the USAPL and IPF weren't ahead of marketing. It was going to be the guys at SPD, and SPD obviously does a fantastic job with marketing because that's why I think so many people have SPD 
merchandise is because of amazing marketing. They do a fantastic job with the graphics. They do a fantastic job of spotlighting lifters. They do a fantastic job of spotlighting their product. By the way, use promo code Angelo10 to get stoic gear. To get stoic gear, I wear stoic gear on the platform. Use that promo code Angelo10 and go to lift.net. But the marketing for SVD is amazing. And they would have been the head marketers of Sheffield. They would have made a they would have been wise enough to make a page specifically for Sheffield. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, they're they're well, I mean it was just like because it that was that's who's putting the money down is going to be the sponsors. So like if, if I didn't they, know that they were gonna like run it, like run like the the aesthetics and stuff like that. If that was the case, I'm totally down for that because, like you said, SBD does a great job. Yeah, they're they're going. They would be they would be wise enough to make it a separate Instagram page solely for Sheffield. They will make it just completely for like here's Amanda Lawrence's training today, and here's a little cool highlight video of Amanda Lawrence. They. I mean, this is all an assumption, but I know they're just wise enough to do that. Much very similar to what Midwest Primetime did, which is like, which was the goal for Steve was to make something, a something of a spectacle or something for a a USAPL lifter to look forward to when they don't when they don't have nationals or when they don't have the Arnold. It's something like, okay, we get to win money and we get to lift with an invite only select few roster. Yeah, I think he accomplished that too. Cause like you see that like golden black, like even like the like the symbol, you're like, oh, like that's Midwest Prime, like, and it's literally just like a local like re- or what was it, regional meet? Yeah, I mean it was yeah, re- I would guess it was primarily for people within the Midwest area, so I would qualify that as a regional meet. But I think, and that's the first time he's ever ran it. And I think that you ask any powerlifter, like, oh, like, that's what that meet is. So now you get, like, the recognition, you get the competition, and then you go in and make it a spectacle. And then that's when the Gen Pop people see it. Yeah, I mean, and it's funny that USAPL doesn't reach out to, like, its lifters to do the marketing for themselves. Because I would that would be the first thing I would do if they gave me the marketing. Like, okay, we're making a separate page for 2021 Raw Nationals. Just so, one, we could get all the announcements out there. So there's no confusion. Like you follow this. If you're competing at Raw Nationals, you follow this so we can tell you what's going on. Who's on primetime? Like, okay, this is the lifter on primetime. This is one of the lifters on primetime. We're going to give you a sick-ass highlight video of Heather Connor, of Amanda Lawrence, of Russ Orhe, the big name, Ray Williams. We're going to spotlight for that so we can create some interest towards the meet and really harp on let's get some people attending this meet. Let's start generating interest in the powerlifting world because – you're sitting on cash cows with the USAPL. And it's, it's evident. Like, I mean, again, I, I referenced Candido earlier. Like, dude, this is, the, this is the reason why people know USAPLs, because of Johnny Candido. Then you have Russ Orhe, who's, like, transcending all that, who's using his fame to open up other business ventures. And you have people like Danielle Mello and Amanda Lawrence, who are, who are really inspirational for the female crowd. Like you're you're killing yourself here by not really spotlighting them and letting them actually take on the marketing and show people what the USAPL is all about. But yeah. that was the longest word association I think I've ever done. And one topic. <laughs> I don't think I don't even think we should do another one. Uh, all right. Okay. Well, how about how about Gatorade? Oh, chugs, obviously. Chugs, yeah. My, I, what? Because that was you already. Yeah, that was yeah. Squat was going to be yeah. next. What I was going to say was like, uh, technically, perf- like technically, like technical. Basically, I think that that, in my opinion, the squat is the hardest lift 
to be the best at, unless you're like completely gifted for it, which obviously mm-hmm. there's a. I would I would agree. Um, as far as technical cues go, I think squat is a little bit more complex, and I think it's the most dangerous. As far as like things go wrong, you can really fuck your shit up. So yeah, I've, I've said that a few times on. Uh, that's a, that's a lift I'm most scared to do is squat. Always scared. I'm always scared of squatting. Always. Like just because I know you know, just the weight's fucking crushing you. You know what I mean? Like bench, like bench, like I don't know. Like I can throw the bench. You know what I mean? You can throw the bar off me or something, or I can't. Squat scares me because I'm like, what if I tip forward and like fucking the bar rolls on me, or what if I drop the bar on my spotters? Like that'll be that'll be bad for that. <laughs> deadlift like, is like yeah, deadlift is cool. You know what I mean? Deadlift's like, yeah, fuck you're it. Yeah, <laughs> just pick it up. Yeah. You're you're throwing bench uh, that you're you're not scared of it because you're your WWE background. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> All right. Well, then how about bench? Stacked wrists. I don't know. That's just the first thing that comes. Ooh. Like I was thinking about it a little bit. Um, I think that a lot of people overcue that. If you look at a lot of the best benchers in the world, you're not going to be able to keep your your wrists straight with six, seven hundred pounds. Um, so I think that if you can, it, I think a lot of people, if they like, if their hands are turning under the bench, that's where you get in like problems. But if your wrists are like are like have a natural bend to them and don't change throughout the press. I think it's a more consistent and it puts you into a better leveraged position, but I think too many people cue completely straight wrists and I think it messes them up. Yeah. Joe, actually, uh, uh, we, we noticed that I have a bend in the, in the left wrist and we were trying to fix it, but then he's like, all right, how about this? Let's, let's actually try to work with it. Let's bend your right one a little bit further back. And see if we can create that. It actually helped. Like, is when I started, I could actually bend the bar a little bit easier when we had the bent wrist. So I really like that. Yeah, that one's uh, that's just, that's a solid word association there, and a, a helpful one. Like, that's a two white lights technique tip of the week. That's like combining two <laughs> segments there. That's nice. How about deadlift? Woo! Deadlift. Uh, I would say like it's like not like a word, but like it's. It's hard. It, you either you are either really good at it and it's your favorite lift because there's no technique in it at all. Not I'm mean, wait, that's a bad wait, 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 back up. Like you well, can either rip it and you just gotta pick it up, or you're in the mindset of you're weaker, like more technical lifter, so you feel like you can never be like like super good at deadlifting and deadlifting is your least favorite, and that was like what I used to be. Yeah. No, I, I understand what you're saying. With that, because I have seen really good deadlifters get. I mean, I, I guess you could throw myself into this thing because I was still relevant in powerlifting before I got coaching, and when I was just doing fuck all, you know, deadlifting with a super narrow stance and squat shoes, and pretty much squatting my deadlift up, it looked like decent technique, but it was really it was bad. I was yanking off the floor. I was getting my hips were rising super early, but. For whatever reason, I was able to lift a decent amount of weight where my total was good and it was within a respectable range where people be- – and it was still one of the best deadlifts in the 181 and 183-pound divisions. Yeah. And it was with very little good technique. Yeah. That's why, like, my favorite type of people are people that, like, 
they hate deadlifts. And then after two years, they get their back like strong enough where they're like deadlift almost becomes their favorite lift. Like yeah. that's me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. I could, I could, I totally understand. What you're getting. And I, I still see people now where I'm like, they're just strong. Their technique is shit. Like they're, but they're still moving weight. That's actually quite impressive, but like they're just strong for whatever reason they can lift a weight. And like, you can't get away with that shit on, on squat. You can maybe on bench, but you really can't get away with like having like no idea what you're doing with the lift or doing like a lot of the wrong things. And still like, Oh, I just squatted it still. Like, I mean, and if you are, you're a complete outlier. So, I mean, then there's more people like on that range in the deadlift, like having shit technique and still able to move a real impressive amount of weight for their weight class. So yeah, I, I like that one and I understand it too. All right, man. Well, that's going to do it. This was a great interview. Had a lot of fun. This was probably the most energetic. I've had Garrett Furon twice. This might have been the most energetic interview. Let's go! I, seriously, this was this was a this this interview was taken to an electric factory. And hey, I feel like we accomplished absolutely nothing, and I only got asked two questions, but I don't care. <laughs> no, man. Uh, two white lights. Had fun with it. That does was yeah. Two white lights doesn't accomplish most things, so we're good. Aside from aside from uh, pissing people off, and <laughs> hey, make sure you use your, your discount codes. That's a good, good way to push it. If, sure, I threw some ad reads in there too. That was the first. That was that was the first time I threw like some ad reads in the show in a really sarcastic way, but I did it. True. So. Use code War. For Warcast Strength Systems, uh, the code isn't set up yet, <laughs> but I had literally eighty percent of the people that they wanted my code to be war. So it's it's war, boys. We All did right. it. <laughs> All right, that's fantastic, man. And good luck at your next meet, man. I can't wait to see you, and I can't wait to uh, to meet you in person at uh, Raw Nationals, man. We'll we'll all be there in force, and of course, you know. Actually, you know what? Let me let me actually let's finish off on this word association. F chat. We ball regardless, baby. Yes, 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 we certainly do. All right, Isaac. Thank you for coming on Two White Lights. It was an absolute pleasure. Uh, Thursday, me and Steve DeNovi are going to talk about ways to make powerlifting more legitimate and talk about our Two White Lights topic. So be sure to tune in for that. And again, thank you, Mr. Whistler, for coming on Two White Lights. Thank you so much for having me. All right, peace.